News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Enu Safo. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. If government wants to prove standards in education, it shouldn't be a way that we are deliberately marking these people down, denying them from their category A schools or let's say good schools that they have to access. Council of Private School Owners accused government's computerized school and selection placement system, CSSPS, in the posting of students from basic private schools. We'll be hearing the consent plus reactions from government. Also coming up, Economic and Organized Crimes Office arrests four persons allegedly involved in a syndicate that steals from people's bank accounts. That story is here on Eyewitness News. And later... On Eyewitness News, the Privileges Committee of Parliament says though the House is on recess, it would not deter or prevent it from discharging its duties in the referral made to it over some three members of Parliament who were absent without permission. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... Former Finance Minister Seth Tekwe blames government's inability to resolve the country's current challenges on poor preparation for global shocks. That's in 50 minutes with Netili Neti of the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live across the country on a number of affiliate stations across the globe. We are on citynewsroom.com. It's an interactive show, so you can join us on WhatsApp. It's 0549 986 996. You can send tweets using the hashtag City Newsroom. Tweet at Umaru Sanda or at City973. And the world will hear what you think. Around the country, we are on a number of affiliate stations, including Beach 105.5 FM in Takradi, Greener 95.9 FM in Sunyani in the Bono region, in the Ashanti region on Focus 94.3 FM in Kumasi, in the Volta region on Revival 99.3 FM in Tajavu. In the northern region, on Radio Bimbila, 91.9 FM in Bimbila. In the upper east region, on Tanga, 93.7 FM in Bolga Tanga. And in the upper west region, on Tunsung, 97.3 in Wa. That's it for details of our stories, and uh, Eno has the first one. The Ghana National Council of Private Schools has called for an independent probe into the marking of scripts of BC candidates from private schools. The president of NACOB, Enoch Jetua, alleges that students of private schools are being marked down, hence the demand for remarking. The president of NACOB alleged that many parents of private schools enroll their wards in public schools for their final examinations to avoid the discrimination and obtain good grades. We are putting data together to actually petition the ministry and call for parity and let's say explanation to that. But this has become a growing trend in the private education space that we we, we see that um, the Ministry of Education and its agencies in deliberating attempts to, let's say, um, collapse the activities of private education, even though private education has its um, constitutional mandate to operate in this country. 
So parents in the private education space are worried as we speak to you now. Bernard, if I send you some screenshots from most of our, our platforms that we have monitored, uh, it, it, it is very sad that some of the students who have really even passed their exams and they have been denied for the best schools or let's say the category A schools. And also that based on the performance that the, the schools have or let's say our witnesses with their internal assessment, when they wrote the BEC, the kind of um, results that they are getting is very, very, very bad. Uh, but it is, it is obvious that uh, even the performance of private education necessitated even the change of the curriculum that we are using. Because when you read the um, the front matters or let's say the general conception, the concept paper for the Common Core program, it is obviously innate that government even said that the performance of private schools is oh, way, way, way ahead of the public schools. So um, the government needs to even change its staff and all that. But if our argument is that if government wants to, um, let's say, um, improve standards in education, it shouldn't be a way that we are deliberately marking these people down, denying them from their category A schools or, let's say, good schools that they have to access and all because um, they are in their private schools. So it's a growing concern. Every private school um, is complaining about it. Let me understand. Is it the results of the private schools at BC that you are complaining about or the placement, discrimination in the placement, which is the problem? So the issues are in two folds. The first one has to do with the results, which came in that most of the private schools children have been marked down, which we are calling for, um, let's say, explanation on that, or let's say, remarking, and even the script, an independent body to go into that. And then it, it also came into the aspect of the placement. You know, with the placement, the government has reserved 30% um, allocation to people in the public schools. So being that if I and you will write the same exams and I'm coming from the private sector, you will be placed before me, irrespective of the grade that I have. So that is another issue. So most of the private school children, aside marking them down, they, they, they have also been denied of having equal access in terms of the placement. So the issues are two. That mm. we are back there with I, I'm now. told that because of this, some private school parents take their kids to public schools to register for the exam. So maybe, let's assume, let me use Dan Soman as an example. Maybe he goes to Martin de Porres as a private school. But when the time comes to register for BEC, he will go to Dan Soma 1 and 2 and register to write the exam there because they feel that they may get better results because they are members of Dan Soma 1 and 2 and probably get better placement. Have you noticed this trend among your members? Yes. Yes. It, it is something that is happening. Even... Um, Three days ago, I have to even uh, call a school in Kumasi, who happens to be a public school, that has registered um, GHS2 children in the, from the private schools. So it's something that has happened. Some of the public school headmasters even do conversion. They move from school to school after, during the vacation, house to house, and those are that good students that we have given them that kind of foundation 
they register them. So if you look at the trend from even the transition from the classes to the DHS one, then you realize that always you have to you have enrollment let's say forty, twenty uh, at the class six level. But as you are expecting them to transit from classes to form one, you realize that the number will reduce drastically. And all because the parents have recognized or they've realized that as this kind of categorization, or let's say allocation of 30% to the public schools. So why don't uh, I go and register my children over there? Because the foundation is giving everything is there, and then they will go and write. So the, the analogy that you cited is perfectly so, as and it is happening in the private school. Enoch Jetua is the president of the Ghana National Council of Private Schools. They raised two issues there. Let's put one of them to Waiek, which has uh, now, or which stands accused. Agnes Terkujo is the head of public affairs at the West Africa Examination Council. Madam, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. When you're registering candidates for the BECE, and I'm referring to the GHS level, do you consider the background of the student as in the school they are attending before registering them? Does that matter? Registration of candidates are done by the school. You know, when you are registering candidates for the BECE, everything is done at the district level. And the data is sent to YX. So YX does not have a direct hand in the registration of candidates. They, they, all that is handled at the district level, and then the information is sent to us. And we do not have different index numbers for private schools and different index numbers for uh, public schools. So I'm a bit surprised at the allegations that we make. Okay, so it is GES that gives you a list of students and says that this is the list we are presenting for the examination. Exactly, yes. All right, but you still do have the name of the school at the top, don't you? Because if you issue the certificate to people, the name of the school is on there. So if it's a private school, it will now, be obvious. When you take a candidate script, a, a candidate script, you do not put the name of the candidate school on the script. If you can let one of the journalists pass by the office tomorrow, we can give you one of the scripts of that of any candidate. And there is no name of school. You just have the candidate's name, his index number, signature, and the subject. You don't have the name of the school for the candidate to say that um, I went to maybe Christ the King, for you to say that when an examiner is marking, he knows that these are the scripts of candidates for a public school, these are being that of candidates of, of public school. You don't have that on the script. Even on the package that we give out, the script and group, we do not make provision for names of schools. You only have the center number, you have the school number, and you have the subject, the paper code, and the quantity of script in that package. So we do not have the name of the school Whose script, whose script, whose packet that the uh, examiner is marking on the envelope? So I'm a bit surprised at this. That, that is and fair. We have over 10,000 examiners who are marking. So, how do you get these examiners together and tell them that these are the list of schools, private schools, mark them in a different way from the way 
that you are marking candidates for public schools. I mean, this is a very wild sensation that is easy. That... I think that uh, I would advise the gentleman they should go back and then do their homework well, look at the school performance, and then try and then rectify the situation. Because instead of going back and then look at maybe the way they thought their candidates and then find out where the problem lies, this is only rely on the false allegations that uh, private schools are marked down as against public schools. Then I don't think you would try and then uh, look at the situation, rectify the error, and make things even better for candidates who are coming later. It is fair what you have said, but then it's also accurate that I can deduce the name of a school by looking at the center number and the school code. That direct that, that directs you straight to whichever school it is, and you would know whether it's a private school or not. So even though the person may not write their, their school name, the figures that they write called the index number represents a school, doesn't it? No, no. We don't have different index numbers. The index numbers are categorized according to center and according to region. So you can only know that this when you see that index number, you can know that this one belongs to a candidate from this particular region. This one belongs to a candidate from this region. But you cannot tell on the face of it that this is an index number of the private no, I, I thought that your index number, what are the components of your index number? The first component you is the a center number which is the first five digits. Uh-huh. You have the center number which is the first five digits. Then you have the school number, which is two digits, and then you have the candidate index number. So so the school number, the, the, there you have it. So the school number is the number of the school and but since the school number that's not that's what I'm saying that you have school numbers for no, but I'm saying that you're saying that it will be difficult to track private schools. And I'm saying that if each school has a code or a number and it's two digits, it will be easy to say that in Greater Accra, if you see 105033, uh, you know that this is in reference to um, this basic school, which is also a private school. It, it should be very easy for you to find. Because if, if if it was not easy for you to track, then you couldn't have returned their results to them in each of the districts for it to be delivered to them at, at their doorsteps. We don't deliver, we don't give out results based on schools. We give out results based on index numbers. And we do not deal with the school numbers before we give out the results. We give out the results based on index numbers. So you know that this particular index number from this number to this number is one particular school. And then you give it out. So during the marking, an examiner has a set of books to mark. That script packet that he has, or that set of scripts that he has, he belongs to candidates of public schools or private schools. So the, the question that I'm asking is, how are we able to tell all our examiners, over 10,000 of them, that now when you are marking, mark those differently from that? I think that it is a very wild allegation. And if he has any... Uh, proof. I think that he who alleges must prove. So I think that what you should do is to tell him to come out with a proof. Don't have any wild allegation and then uh, uh, feed that into the, 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 the minds of members of the public. I think that that is, that is really upsetting. 
But it should be a source of worry for you, shouldn't it? Especially when these are your stakeholders you've been working with for the for all these years, and they say to yeah, you that. And they are saying that this is the only time that you are doing this. Is feeding the public with such negative information. I'm very much surprised at that. But the fact that we are keeping marking private schools better and marking marking private schools down and marking public schools down and, and marking public schools in a different way. I'm 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 concerned that it's making that kind of application. So, like I said, so, so madam, I think I think you have to get it. So he, the gentleman you heard is not speaking for himself, as in it is he's not speaking for him. He's speaking for a whole council of private schools, the Ghana National Council of Private Schools. He's the president, and indeed, I went around this afternoon to speak to some of the private schools and the head teachers. Uh, the proprietors and the head, uh, the administrators have all said the same thing. So it's not a single person who is making this they statement. They are only making allegations. And uh, that is why I'm saying that let them prove it. I think that that would serve each, of, each one of us very well. I have made an allegation. I should have proof of the allegation that I have made. And I think that, that should solve the problem. There are some of them so who are... I think are... that it is duty... Mm or the duty of the association to prove whatever wild allegations that they are making. Because on our part, we have every data, every document to prove what we are saying, that we do not do that. So if he has anything otherwise, I think that it is up to him to come out with the um, information that he has and say that, yes, this is the information that we have. These are a set of scripts from candidates from private schools. This examiner said that he was given this uh, marking scheme, which is different for private schools, vis-a-vis -vis that for public schools. And then we would take the matter up from there. But you know that if people, when people pass examination, they say that, oh, I have passed. When they fail, then they say, why? So we have these things going on. And I think that it's a bit unfortunate that uh, the Association of Private Schools is making those wild allegations without any proof. Some of them have said that they wish and they are actually planning to have their own independent examination body because they don't trust what you've been doing to them. What do you say to that? When did they not start? When, when did they start not trusting us? They say this year in particular you have been very but unfair to year, them. They, they trusted Wayek. So they say. So I think that that should let you I mean uh, um, that gives us some questions. Because if they trusted Wyatt last year, this year they don't trust Wyatt anymore. Because this year, their candidates, as they are saying, did not do that well, or some of their candidates did not do that well. So I think that, I, I think that um, it is, it is uh, like I said, a very wild allegation. And if they have any proof um, to that, they should come up with it. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking Wyatt to us. Wyatt is a credible examining body. And I don't think that we would go into such matters of marking public schools down and up. I think it's a very ridiculous statement that we have made. All right. Thank you for speaking to us, madam. Thank you. That's Agnes Tekujo. She's head of public affairs at the West African Examination Council. Uh, this afternoon went around to speak to some of the uh, basic private schools on this issue. Uh, to see whether or not their 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 statements and comments would be um, 
the same as what the council has said. There was a school we visited at Newtown in Accra. We spoke to uh, Pastor Ahinkra Dako. He's the Director of Administration at the school, Harlem Bridge International School. Let's listen to what he had to say on this matter. We started writing the BEC uh, in 2017. And uh, at least for these years that we've been writing, we've never had any challenge uh, than, uh, like this year. Really, every year that we write, the students get the placement. Performance is what we want, at least we see them compared to what they do in school. But the current year is what we are shocked about. We've not seen, uh, not all the students have presented their uh, results here for clearance. Okay. But uh, we are still waiting for some. But those who have come here, there are some of them who have not got placements and that we are shocked. All the results came about. It doesn't make sense to you. Really? How many students did you failed uh, for the BC? Uh, represented 20, uh, 25. 20. 25. Yeah. And the last year, how many? The last year it was 18, 12, uh, yeah, 12, 18, and then this is the, the last year was the uh, highest number we could. So what was your best grade last year? Last year our best grade was uh, 10. 10. 10, yeah. And you were expecting what this year? What were you expecting? This year? At least, as a, as a private school, we always want to make it better than the previous year, mm -hmm. because that is when you are also able to sell yourself, you see. So the effort we put in this year, at least we, uh, what our children did, we think we are, they were going to perform better. But, mm. So, so, so what exactly were you hoping to get? A grade 6? Oh, yes, we, yes, we were aiming at 6. What is what's the best that has come so far? So far what we've, heard, uh, we've seen is 22. Wow. And that is serious. And is this from a regular school like ours? It is serious, really serious. And is that from a student you're expecting to do well, or is this one of the students who... One of the students that we were thinking will make at least a 10, at least a 10, yeah. Could it be that your teaching has reduced, your teaching quality has reduced? I wouldn't say so, because, again, I would say as a primary school, you, we, I, let me confess, we've never had a grade 6. Our best has been 7. Okay. That's from the first group, yeah, and, and uh, subsequently. Our best has been 7. And so... Our aim was to still make it to the six, because it, it has been a target mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. And so the efforts keep increasing, you see. And we keep going in for staff who are also of higher distance, university degrees, at least to help make that grade that we are aiming at. Why do you think then that you got a grade 22 instead of a grade 6 or 7, for instance? Is it that, and, and I'm, I've said that maybe it's your teaching that has gone down, you do not want to agree. Is it that the students are not serious? Or you think Waieku has something against private schools? Well, that I cannot pinpoint and say I, I accuse Waieku. Uh, I think there's something wrong. There's some, something wrong somewhere. Uh, this need, thing needs to be looked into. On our part, we intend to at least gather, when the final summary of the results come, we will sit down as a school and then look at uh, the various areas where performances uh, went down and see how best we can. But I think that there's still something that needs to be uh, answered here. Yeah. What about the placement into senior high schools? How has that come for you? How is that coming for you guys? So far, uh, we've had three students who have uh, reported here that they've not had placements. And uh, two of them, they are twins, and <laughs> we were shocked that these two didn't get placement to their schools. And they are great too. They, they are students that we were also expecting around 
uh, 12, 13, yeah, they, they had 25. Both of them had 25, 25. Hmm? And they've not been placed as a result? They've not been placed as a result. So what are you going to do about it? Or what do you think should be done about it? Uh, what we have been told is that there is this, uh, the, the, there's this placement center at uh, Nuts Halls. And, uh, yes, we, we've told the parents to at least to get there and see if uh, they can get placements for their children. But do you think it's in touch with, uh, the, with the parents too. Do you think there's a deliberate bias against private schools in favor of uh, public schools? Really, uh, if you look at the results that came and what we've heard from uh, uh, colleague private schools, is we, we are all in shock. I said, ah, why? And the schools that we know, uh, that uh, we know we, are, we perform better than our government schools, grades are up. I said, well, well, what will you say? So that's um, the headmaster, the director of administration of um, Harlem Bridge International School at Newtown in Accra, Pastor Ahinkra Daku. Now, the allegations are twofold from the private schools. One, that WIAC has been discriminating against them. And two, that the CSSPS itself has also been discriminated, uh, discriminating against their students. Um, let's listen to um, the Ghana Education Service. Well, Bernard Avila spoke to them this morning. Eno, please tell us our story. Right. Uh, the Education Ministry has discredited claims by NACOP that WIAC marks BC candidates of private schools down in an attempt to bridge the gap between their performances with their public school counterparts. Kwasi Kwating speaks for the ministry. I'm, he I'm hearing this for the first time because I'm not sure they are now indicting the credibility of an institution like WIAC. I mean, the records are clear. I can even, I'm sure, probably I, I will send some of the statistics to your 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 how do you call it your producer to also review because even if you look at the <laughs> averagely the number of of students that are able to even get the overly subscribed schools access to the overly subscribed schools mostly these private institutions so I'll be very surprised that this comes up but of course I mean essentially they are saying that WIEC which is an institution or an agency itself deliberately uh, uh, intentional or deliberately decides to probably give the private schools a low mark. But if you look at the passive pass rate of even students within the private school, is the vice versa. Is the vice versa. So I, I bet you on that. You heard the public relations officer for the Ministry of Education, Kwesi Kwating. This Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. The show is around the globe on City newsroom.com we have more coming your way including uh what happened in parliament yesterday when the speaker referred some three mps to the privileges committee the privileges committee has been speaking about preparations towards questioning those three mps don't go away eyewitness news be there as it happens Get DJ Wedding. Star 924 Hash. Get DJ Wedding. Star 924 Hash. On your mark, ready, set, let's go. CV, GMO, Bio, SSD, Young Co. Star 924 Hash. Funk of the go. Smartphone, no. Young phone, no. Ever fat. Fire money transfer. For two water bill. For two light bill. Factor credit. Star 924 Hash. You deserve it. Let's go. Get DJ Wedding. Star 924 Hash. Get DJ Wedding. Star 924 Hash. CBG is empowering you to get DJ with CBG Mobile. Simply dial star 924 hash and get DG with it. CBG, we stand with you. 
Reserve the Dodua Hills Premium Plot, located at Dodua near Dodua Fire Service or North Ligon Premium Plot today, and enjoy secured gated community living with swag, with facilities such as electricity, shopping center, gym and fitness center, swimming pool, Tard Road Network, and many more. Just pay 5,000 Ghana CDs deposit for Dodua Hills Plot or 60% deposit for North Ligon Plot and spread the balance within one year to own your Premium Plot today. You can also choose from our two, three, and four bedroom shell houses located at Tema Community 25. Call us now on 0540-633-569 or visit our website on www.doduahillsgh.com for further details. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3 Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973 and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. Let's read some of the messages that have come in um, on our WhatsApp. The WAIC official should give us a break. You can tell clearly that this pupil isn't good, but because he wrote in a public school, it's 100% certain that he would do better than a pupil in a basic school who is far better than him. This has been going on for some time now. This is Michael Abayate from Ajay Koju. Nana Opoku from Assume says, do they mark private schools exam papers separately? No, they're all marked together with the public schools. I'm suspecting because last year, upward didn't flow much. They couldn't pass as they expected. No chew and pour this time. If they're asking for remarking, then the public schools should be included. Adam in Bolga says, shouldn't Wayek be responding to this allegation? Well, she did. And uh, he's saying that I don't think government marks student scripts, do they? Jones Adeboyenla, he says, I believe the computerized system would have been better if we had the right infrastructure in place. However, all the confusion with the system is human-induced and measures uh, have to be taken to solve these deliberate Anomalies. Prince Henry Kufuria says the fact is Ghana's educational standards is struggling and falling under the leadership of Nane Kufuado's led NPP government. As a teacher, I can't phantom why I should be teaching without textbooks since 2018 when new curriculum was introduced. The future is pregnant. This one from uh, your teacher, Dinkra, inside Tem and Boga Town says, Good evening, Umaru. Please, the private schools are only crying on the rooftop. Examiners don't really and wouldn't tell whether the script belongs to a private or public school. The desperation of the private schools to get their students passed so they could use that as a selling point makes them do all forms of things to get through. And when their expectations are not met, they fall in an abyss of shock. There are brilliant students in public schools that are far better academically than their colleagues in private schools too. They should stop this clueless, strange behavior. Kweku Andor Kosa says, I'm an examiner and I mark some of the BEC papers. All scripts received are marked using the same marking scheme. I can confirm that there's no discrimination in the marking. DJ Caleb says, B- the BEC index numbers are based on centers, not schools. So the numbers can take you directly to an exam center where at least five schools write the exams. It will be impossible to know the exact school based on just an index number. Well, if you listen to Agnes Kujo, she explained that two of the digits in that index number 
is a school code or school number. Anyway, Kojo Mensan says, I don't expect Madam Agnes Kojo to accept the allegations made by the head of private schools because WAIC has never accepted any problems or allegations from the public. What was the outcome of last year's examination? leakage uh more tweets are coming through this is eyewitness news do send yours as well we'll share them when we have time but enu has some other stories the electricity company of ghana has announced to the general public that the major rainstorm which occurred today has caused major power outages in some areas. In a statement cited by City News, the company is cautioning the general public to look out for electric cables that may have been pulled down due to the rain as they may be live. The ECG also appealed to the public to call its contact centre or reach out via their social media handles for prompt intervention if they encounter any fallen cables. Away from that, the National Road Safety Authority is sent to intensify its education, monitoring and enforcement of road safety regulations ahead of this year's Quo Easter and Paragliding Festival to help reduce road carnage on the main Accra Kumasi Highway. Over the past few weeks, abandoned, broken down vehicles on the main Accra Kumasi Highway have led to a number of crashes resulting in the death of over 15 persons. In an interview with City News, the Eastern Regional Director of the Authority, Dennis Yeo, said his outfit will deploy enough personnel to assist the police deal with recalcitrant drivers. We have uh, engaged all the partners in the NT. So the Go uh, West Municipal Assembly, we have the police commander on board. Uh, we also have uh, persons, the uh, assemblies, uh, duly engaged for our activities during that period. So more than a month at a time, we are already putting in place the structures to ensure that we are able to contain any eventualities. Uh, this time around, the education is ongoing, but during the festivities, we will deploy more men to ensure uh, the enforcement of regulations are well done. So we'll be seeing many more of our police personnel, the national road safety staff and personnel too on the ground. Uh, just to contain the excesses of uh, the behavior during that time so that we don't record any more of such. One other area we'll be concentrating more on are uh, disabled vehicles around that time so that our partners, the assemblies and the police will be on hand to quickly uh, get away or throw away any disabled vehicle which might be left on the road unattended to. The law stipulates that uh, within some two hours or one hour depending on location the vehicles are voluntarily towed away by the drivers involved. Uh, but we'll be engaging them because of the way the road is busy and very risky, uh, much more with high speeds by Adaman drivers. We will very much make sure that we partner such drivers so that uh, towing services will be available to them as quickly as possible whenever they develop force. And the vehicles can be taken away from the road so that there will be free flow of traffic and uh, things like runnings, uh, rare collisions and all that might not happen, uh, resulting in such unfortunate incidents as this. That was the Eastern Regional Director of the National Road Safety Authority, Dennis Yeo. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News.
Are you in need of world-class service offices? Horizons Offices offers beautiful, fully furnished and co-working office spaces perfectly fit for multinationals, SMEs and entrepreneurs. We provide executive, customized and virtual office solutions with flexible payment terms. Our state-of-the-art meeting rooms are perfect for all your business meetings. Visit Horizons Offices located on the 8th floor of 1 Airport Square overlooking the Kutuka International Airport. Call us on 0307-086-190 or 0544-338-699. Log on to www.horizonsoffices.com.ga Horizons Offices, home to Africa's businesses. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3 Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973 and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We're broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. We are around the country on a number of affiliate stations, including Beach FM 105.5 in Takradi, which, uh, we, where we're actually going to the Western Regional Capital. This is because if you've been following social media, you'd have seen lots of publications suggesting that the president, Nana Adodankwa Kufado, has rehired the Metropolitan Chief Executive for the Sekendi Takradi Metropolis. Now, this man was a subject of controversy after he was arrested by the police for driving, according to the police, recklessly. Now, that, that led to the suspension. He was put on trial. We do not know the outcome of the trial as yet. Um, but the information that is trickling in or actually spreading on social media suggests that um, the MCE, Abdul Mumin Isa, who was suspended on February 4, 2022 by the president, has been rehired. Let's get to the bottom of this story. John Last is a PRO of the Sekendi Takradi Metropolitan Assembly. Mr. Last, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much, Omaru. What is the truth, or otherwise, in this story that your former boss or your boss uh, or your suspended boss is back to the office as a as as a, as a rehired MCE? Yeah, thank you very much. Um, um, after that time, we are leaving the office. We've not received any formal communication um, to that effect, so uh, we treat it as you know, just a rumor from the social media. And you have not called him either after seeing this publication or has, no one has spoken to him individually or privately? Uh, I would have so, but I don't think um, uh, the conversation we had between the two of us, he has committed me to put it out there. So, But um, what I can say is that officially we've not received any correspondence uh, with regards to his reinstatement. I see. But when was the last time he came to the office? He has not been to the office since, uh, you know, the... Uh, communication came out that his excellency has suspended uh, him you know from office so i can say that um, from, from that time he has not been to the office i see and who has been acting in his stead the honorable regional minister uh, who is also the mp for Takradi. what do you know about the case in court um at the moment what i know is that the case is still in court um the next court date is somewhere may um somewhere early may um, that's what I know for now. As an assembly, um, would you welcome his renomination or reappointment? 
Well, as officers of the assembly, um, we um, uh, decide to essentially ask who is to appoint for us for the people's media party. Um, so whoever comes, um, if Umar is appointed to the why not to work with Umar today? Okay, I don't come from Sekendita Kradi. So if you are appointed, I'll come and work for you. <laughs> but thank, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you. You're welcome, That's John Last. Um, he's a PRO of the Sekendita Kradi Metropolitan Assembly. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. And we'll bring us some other stories. Almost a month after City News reported about the closure of the St. Joseph Health Center in Kaaba after a rainstorm destroyed the facility, authorities say they are yet to receive any support. The facility was closed down after the storm ripped off the roof of the facility on March 19, 2022. Patients who were on admission were discharged and the facility lost documents, drugs and mattresses. The facility serves over 60 communities and is in dire need of help to address the health concerns of the over 40,000 people living in the area. The chief physician assistant of the hospital, George Sovite, says immediate help is needed to attend to patients as emergency cases are dealt with under a tree. The situation on the ground is still the same as the day the incident occurred. The facility that has been restored is still standing like that and... Uh, we don't have a place that we would uh, fit to operate and at least with privacy. Currently, we do consultation to emergency cases that come under a tree. That place is in the deprived area far away from town. It is 75 kilometers away from the district capital where the hospital is situated. Mm. And we are in the deprived area where we serve a larger population. Mm. And this people is not only just coming from the different solar tunnel calvary district, Savannah region. But it is an international health activity because we share border with Burkina Faso, and that is where they access health services. And yeah. uh, uh, they are also wild west district, they also come there for uh, services. You heard the chief physician assistant of the St. Joseph Health Center in Kalba, George Sobite. Now, the family of an 11-year-old girl who died in a fire at Medema in the Ashanti region says the intervention of residents in the area saved the life of a visually impaired old lady who was in the house when the fire gutted it. The incident, which happened at about 1.30 p.m. on Tuesday, led to the death of the 11-year-old girl, Salma Abdul Samad. Police have completed processes to get the body of the girl released to the family for burial. Uncle of the deceased, Nasir Abubakar Sadiq, tells City News the family will cooperate with police and fire officers in their investigations. So what we are doing now is to get the body of the, uh, the, 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 the girl child so that we will go and bury it. And we have come here so that uh, we have seen the policemen, so we have finished everything. And we are now going to the mortuary to take the body. We felt very sorry. Yeah, the old lady was is, was in the house plus two of our sisters. And the old lady, what happened? The old lady too is a blind person. So when it happens, the, the two our sisters try to take her, take take her outside to the house before this incident happens. So now, have you been able to go through the process to get a Yeah, we're finished with, with the process. Is the family going to cooperate with? We'll cooperate with them. Nasir Abubakar Sadiq is the uncle of a 10-year-old girl who died in a fire outbreak in the Ashanti region. 
Now, the Economic and Organized Crime Office, IOKO, in collaboration with the Ghana Association of Banks, has arrested four persons engaged in SIM swap fraud. SIM swap fraud occurs when fraudsters obtain a new SIM card from a person's mobile service provider using the person's registered phone number. The suspects, according to the Association of Banks, were picked up at various locations in the country for colluding and illegally accessing the accounts of some Guineans from which they stole various amounts. It emerged that they managed to withdraw an amount of 200,000 Ghana cities in their modus operandi before their cover was blown and subsequently apprehended by the security agency. Speaking to City News on the successful operation, the CEO of the Ghana Association of Banks, Mr. John Ewa, praised the collaborative efforts with IOKO, resulting in the arrest of the fraudsters. Yoku, as um, one of the security agencies that we work with, they work with you know um, organized crimes. So um, some of our member banks recorded attempts and in some cases successful um, um, fraud cases um, regarding this sim sim fraud, where people are able to more or less clone existing um, phone numbers and. Um, work at the, their various telecom um, companies to um, get a number that is already in use. And what that happens, and the person is able to secure a new SIM, then more or less, as you are using your phone, there is another mirror of your phone, and therefore the person is able to use that to make some changes to your, your bank details, because your apps and the rest are all determined by your uh, the phone, the uh, financial services transaction confirmations and the like. So we got information from um, our member banks um, about these attempts and in some cases the, some successful outcomes. And we quickly um, linked up with Ioko, who really uh, did very, very professional work, a professional job in investigating, going behind the, the scenes and undertaking extensive investigative work which has, as we have announced today, led to the arrest of four persons uh, who, uh, as we speak, are still going through um, some form of additional levels of investigations. You heard the CEO of the Ghana Association of Banks, Mr. John Ewa. Away from that, the Privileges Committee of Parliament says although the House is on recess, it will not deter it from discharging its duties. The Speaker of Parliament, Alban Bagbin, referred the Members of Parliament for Dom Kwabinya, Sarah Drasafo, Ayasa Central, Henry Korte and Asin Central, Kennedy Japan to the Privileges Committee on Tuesday for absenting themselves for more than 15 sittings of Parliament. Outlining modalities for the execution of its mandate to City News, the Vice Chairman of the Privileges Committee Kwesi Efrifa Mensah said it is expecting an official communication from the Clerk of Parliament for onward action. Normally what happens is that after the Speaker um, has made the reseller um, at the plenary like he did yesterday, um, the Speaker's office or the Clerk office will write to officially to the Privileges Committee. You know, we have clerks uh, to every committee, so they will write to them and then the clerks will consult the chairman and the leadership of the committee, and then they will call, they will send messages to call us for a meeting. And I think that is what uh, normally starts uh, in the beginning. Yesterday, for instance, uh, we are yet to receive any communication from the clerks. We are also on recess, 
I, but I hope by the time we, we you know, any time the chairman of the committee receives the notification, he will communicate to us and then give us the date we can meet at the committee and uh, discuss the issues uh, on board. Parliamentary duties, they can call us any time, any day for meetings. Uh, we are on recess, but even next week, the, uh, the, the, the chairman of our committee can call us for a meeting. Anytime they call us, we will, we, we will attend the meeting and then. We, we are not in parliament, but we are still working. You heard the Vice Chairman of the Privileges Committee of Parliament, Kwesi Efrifa Mensa. Now, reconstruction work has begun at the Takwari markets in the western region after fire gutted over 200 shops on Monday, April 3. Following the incident, the western regional minister set up a committee to investigate the cause and suggest appropriate recommendations. The committee, after after its work, recommended the demolition of all shops affected by the fire. In an interview with City News, the director of the National Disaster Management Organization for Secondly Takwadi, James Obing Jr., said the renovation should be completed this month. Blizzard got burnt, or oh, that was gathered by fire. And the regional minister, who doubles as the MP for Takwadi, and also the acting mayor, has given instructions to the committee that the committee should come out with their findings. So we presented our findings, to, our findings to him on Monday, 12 o'clock. He has clearly agreed on the findings, and he has also instructed that the clearing of the debris should start today. As I speak with you, the clearing has started obviously at the, at the site. So once that one is completed, the reconstruction will take place. He has also touched us that the reconstruction should not be delayed at all. So we believe that in the next two weeks, after the debris have been cleared, the reconstruction will commence. So I have the hope and confidence that by the end of this but by the middle of uh, April, um, yeah, we are, in, we are in April, by the middle of April, we should be able to put up or start the, the, the construction. ADMO is working in collaboration with waste management. When it comes to clearing of debris, the waste management and the assembly's works engineer. You no, know, when it comes to reconstruction, construction of shed and those things, the engineers, the works engineers, who are able to give out uh, the specifications and the quantities and everything. So, you know, this thing also has to go through the loss. You have the loss after. Uh, the assembly that you want to put up certain things must go through so many processes and they are swiftly on those processes to get that in the place back again. James Obing Jr. is the director of the National Disaster Management Organization for the Second Dita Kwade Metropolis in the Western Region. The governing New Patriotic Party has denied assertions that the party is putting pressure on Vice President Dr. Mohamedou Baumia to speak on the economy. The Vice President, as head of the country's economic management team, will tomorrow speak on recent challenges the economy has been facing and the controversial e-levy which was passed by Parliament. This follows several calls by a section of the public for the Vice President to publicly speak on the high cost of living, among others. Speaking to City News, National Youth Organization of the NPP, Henry Nanabwashi says the vice president, as the chairman of the economic management team, will use an ongoing TESCON program to lay the facts bare on the economy. There is a pleasant expectation on him. I mean, he is known for his, um, or he's endowed with this um, economic issues. So there's rather that expectation, there's rather that. People are desirous of hearing from him. Yes, obviously, if he was just any ordinary person, clearly people would not be desirous of um, um, or seeking to listen to him. 
we are of the view that His Excellency, the Vice President, has positioned himself very well, especially when it comes to economic issues. Um, so much so that uh, people would want to hear from him, especially when globally we have such an economic meltdown. People want to hear from him and then what is the, the way forward for this government. So I would rather say that it is a pleasant expectation, rather from the nation, to hear from the Vice President, Al-Hajj You heard the National Youth Organizer of the NPP, Henry Nanabwachi. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, brought to you by Vodafone and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Natalie Nete. Let's settle for the details. Former Finance Minister Seth Tekpe has blamed the recent difficulties the country has been facing, especially with high debt, a depreciating currency and downgrades by ratings agencies on poor preparation by government for a, for a crisis situation. This follows government's continuous attribution to some of the country's recent challenges on COVID-19 and the Russia-Ukraine war. President Akufuado, in a recent interview with the BBC's Peter Okoche, highlighted the impact of two global developments on Ghana's economy, but said the government's strategies will offer the country the chance to recover. In an interview with City Business News, Mr. Tekpen noted that despite adequate resources available to this government, it has failed to prepare the country for possible crises. There is validity in saying that COVID affected all countries. You know, which is true. There's validity in saying that COVID, you know, was the worst of, you know, the global crisis. You know, you can't say something is worse if they were not added to compare. So from these two points, in as much as we want to concede to these two points, you would also agree with me that therefore Ghana has had, or the group has had other crises, global financial crises. Uh, domestically, we've had bushfires, we've had droughts, we've had, you know, even excessive rains that causes a lot of things we've had. So the point is, what is your preparation for crisis? And that is one of the areas in which, despite three oil fields, you know, we believe strongly that this government should have prepared better for many of those crises. Seth Tekpa is a former finance minister. Associate Professor at the Department of Economics at the University of Ghana, Professor Ibu Texan, has challenged government and various stakeholders within the job creation space to redesign initiatives to include soft skills training. According to him, this will help in creating an effective workforce to address graduate unemployment in the long term. Even though government has put in place programs like the National Entrepreneurship and Innovation Plan, the National Builders Corps and One District, One Factory Policy, among others, the unemployment situation has recently worsened. Professor Abutexin spoke during a stakeholder meeting on soft skills for youth in sub-Saharan Africa, the Ghanaian context. We did a lot of scoping. Not many studies have been done on youth employment programs in Africa, and that is what I meant. And, and you saw me uh, show you two of those studies that we, we looked at. Uh, so while some of these employment programs in Africa could be monitored and evaluated as 
project evaluation. There is, we don't have any research to go and find out from those that have gotten those interventions whether it's worked by going to employers to find out. So if you look at a fine ethical study that I mentioned, they actually went to the employers to talk to them. And they found out that those employment programs didn't improve the employability of the graduates. So if you take, for instance, NAPCO, for instance, what is it? You just offering them some employment opportunities. Are they being trained while they are there? Is it going to improve their employability? from the skills that we taught them in the university. But I don't think that that's what has been done. It's more of a social intervention to give them some money so that they can get something doing. But we want programs that will improve the employability of our graduates because our employers are, are complaining that we are producing graduates who are very intelligent, who are, who are smart, but for the job, they lack, they lack the soft skills. That was the Associate Professor at the Department of Economics of the University of Ghana and the project lead for the publication Soft Skills for the Youth in Sub-Saharan Africa, the, the Ghanaian context, Professor Ebu Texan. Stakeholders in the cocoa processing sector say Ghana has the potential to increase its share in the multi-billion dollar chocolate industry by up to $5 billion with the right investment. The industry is worth over $100 billion, yet Ghana rakes in a meager 3%, despite being the second largest producer of cocoa in the world. Speaking to City Business News on the sidelines of the just-ended Agritech West Africa Fair, Chief Operating Officer of Indigenous Cocoa Processing Company, Gabbling Foods, Teddy Ama, says Ghana's ability to cash in on the sector depends on the scaling up of SMEs in the space. Most of us are small, we need to grow, right? so we need investment in that space, we need investment, we need people to be able to give us money to get um, better processing facilities and all of that. We have a facility on the Spintex Road where we process, we process our cocoa, we usually we do um, chocolate powder, we do chocolate powder so we do the processing and everything ourselves. But there are others who do chocolate and most of the facilities are very very small. So if they, if they can expand, there's a very big market, there's a huge market for, for the chocolates, both on the local market and for exports. So once we get investments, we get the government commitment to it, we can, we can make it, we can make it happen. Well, with regards to market share, the global, the global, the global chocolate um, export, right, it's about 10 billion. And Ghana only has 2 billion. Ghana and Ivory Coast together have only 2 billion of that share, which is very small. We can raise that up to about 5 if we, if we put the right processes in for the local manufacturers to be able to process. There are a lot of people who are willing to do it. There are a lot of people who have the capacity. There are a lot of people who have been trained to do it. But the, the problem now is finance. So if we can get people to invest into the industry, it will be great. It will be good to go. Teddy Ama is the Chief Operating Officer of Indigenous Cocoa Processing Company, Gabbling Foods. The Ghana Union of Traders Associations, Guta, has added its voice to calls on government to get Ghana's neighboring countries to also reopen their land borders more than a week after President Akufuad announced the reopening of Ghana's land and sea borders. According to Guta, the opening of all borders will fast-track cross-border trade. The following report was more. President Nanado Dankwe Kufuado's announcement of a reopening of Ghana's land and sea borders, which was made during his 28th COVID-19 national address on March 28, according to him, was part of measures to ease the restrictions brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. Ghana's land, sea and air borders had been closed since the onset of the coronavirus two years ago as part of measures to prevent the spread of the virus. Some border communities in the country held demonstrations to demand the reopening of the land borders, suggesting 
insisting that the closure was of no use as some persons continued to use the borders illegally. A little over a week since Ghana reopened its Elubu and Aflao borders, checks by City Business News indicate that those of Ivory Coast and Togo were yet to be reopened. Speaking to City Business News on the situation, President of the Ghana Union of Traders Association, Guta, Dr. Joseph Obing, noted that cross-border trading cannot return to pre-pandemic levels if Ghana's borders are the only ones opened. We cannot do it in isolation because the ECOWAS sub-region were entreated to open the borders by individual member states. And if most of them are not open, then we have to do it wholly with the other ECOWAS states. And our, our president, being the ECOWAS head, has an onerous tax to convince those who haven't opened so that uh, all of us would have uh, opened and then business would start in earnest for us. Because let me tell you, I've always been saying that Africa has tasted a lot of diseases and Africa has also tasted poverty. Now, I dare to say that uh, poverty is more bitter than diseases. And so whilst we are trying to manage um, the pandemic that has come um, to us, we also have to uh, manage poverty side by side with, with diseases. We don't have to over-concentrate on preventing this disease and then also uh, letting um, poverty grow in our uh, hands. It, it, no, it may not occur well for us at all. That was the president of the Ghana Union of Traders Associations, Dr. Joseph Obeng, ending that report. The Traders Advocacy Group Ghana says stakeholders were not engaged in the decision-making to ease some COVID-19 restrictions, knowing the damage effects, the damaging effects it will have on their businesses. During the era of the coronavirus, a lot of businesses were built around the pandemic, including the sale of personal protective equipment. This chain of businesses flourished until there was no need for what they sold. The president's announcement as part of measures to ease COVID-19 restrictions, including the wearing of nose masks, meant that businesses which operated around the pandemic have begun to fold up. But according to the general secretary of the group, Yao Poku, a lot could have been done to avoid the imminent loss traders will have to bear due to the glut of the products. This is where I think that this current administration is failing. You did not consult the players who have imported face masks into the country helping the situation. You did not consult, the Ministry of Trade did not do any consultation. Whether they have stocks or they do not have stocks. All of a sudden the president say it is not compulsory, you can wear. Me, I wear face masks every day. Yaopoku is the General Secretary of the Traders Advocacy Group Ghana. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was brought to you by Vodafone and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Netelinete. Up next is Point Blank. Masa, yet two unlimited calls. Ewo Vodafone Red is you know here. Jack, me to no expiry with Vodafone Red. Yes, start 200 hash, huh? I bab the move. When you be what? Vodafone Red, no lie. Co-craft me top man to you because I call Ebrowse da. Vodafone Red, start 200 hash. As the same. See, see, dear. Yeah, Casaco, no, yeah, Ebrowse. Start 200 hash gives you unlimited calls on Vodafone to Vodafone. More data. More talk time to friends on other networks. No expiry. And the best value at a Affordable prices. Vodafone ready the Union. Simply dial star 200 hash to choose a package that best suits you from as low as one Ghana City. Vodafone.
Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. It's 25 minutes to 1900 GMT. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight on Point Blank, Tonight our focus is on our, on our lands and uh, natural resources sector. And it is part of the general state of the nation address as delivered to the country by the president through the people's representatives in parliament. The house is on recess now. Deputy Ranking Member on the Lands and Resources Committee of Parliament and MP for Tamale North, Al-Hassan Suhini, is my guest on Point Blank. Honorable, you're welcome to Point Blank. Thank you very much, uh, Sander. How are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm terrific. How, How did you? I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm all right. Thank you so much. God yeah. is uh, in control. We are managing small, small. Inshallah. Uh, Thank you for helping me break my fast on my way here. My wife was worried as to how I was going to do You that. should let your wife know that you have a brother here. You know, <laughs> so we, we usually would help each other. Yeah, I guess uh, she had prepared to. Uh, but don't worry. When we finish the show, we'll go. We'll continue. We'll go to her, the house. And no, we'll continue here. No, no, no. We'll uh, go to uh, the house. The things I have seen here, I won't leave here tonight. Haba. Until I see the maid in China. <laughs> On you, the mean, you mean the, bo- the, the bottom of the, <laughs> <laughs> the house is on recess. Does it mean your the debate on the sonar is over? Oh yes, um, the debate ended yesterday okay. with the two uh, leaders from both sides uh, concluding uh, with their um, 
you know, thoughts on the state of the nation that was delivered by His Excellency the President. So the House uh, concluded with, uh, you know, directive by the Speaker for the House to thank the President for uh, attending upon the House and delivering the State of the Nation address. But a number of issues were highlighted in the course of the debate uh, that, uh, you know, will remain topical mm. perhaps until Parliament mm. resumes. So let me understand. Usually when there are debates, you vote over issues. This one, I don't think you vote. You just debate and when you're done, then you just go and tell the President, thank you for coming to deliver the speech. We've listened, we've argued. And we like it. Or you have to accept or reject the speech? No. I mean, um, SONA is a constitutional um, imperative. It is uh, required of the president to address the nation through parliament at the beginning of uh, the year and at the end of uh, every year. And so um, it is just an address and members are allowed to make uh, their own contributions uh, on that address that is presented. It is not one that requires uh, a vote. It okay. is just um, uh, opinions and then facts checked and all of that. For example, in the road sector, you would have heard that um, a lot of fact checking has gone on uh, based on the president's uh, boast, 10, yeah, boast that he uh, had overseen the construction of uh, 10,000 plus mm. new roads. You are from, you are from Tamale North. You should be supporting this. You have a new interchange in town. Is that what it is? <laughs> is, is it no? What, what's the difference? You have, you well, have I think it? that debate has been settled. Mm. Uh, as to whether it's an interchange or it's a flyover, uh, the debate has been settled. In fact, uh, you saw uh, desperate attempts by people in government, especially at the ministry, um, to uh, christen it an interchange. But in their write-up and even in the president's speech, uh, where they call it an interchange, they proceed to define it with the admission that it's a bridge, <laughs> you know. So, okay, so wait, wait. where is an interchange? They, they say an interchange, but then in the description of what it is, especially in the president's uh, statement, mm -hmm. I, I, I took note of it. I don't have it here. But you will see that after calling that in, an interchange, he had to describe the scope of work and what went into it. Uh, the description was a bridge, a flyover. Were you at the commissioning? Well, that was a trick that uh, was attempted to uh, be played on us. Uh, an invitation was sent to me by the Minister for Roads, uh, and same was sent to my colleague uh, in Tamale Central and uh, the minority leader as well. I think one was also sent to Honorable ABF Saini, those of us from so Tamale, the four to be part yes, of the uh, commissioning ceremony. Only for us to uh, hear the night before, that there was an intention by government to, you know, introduce a e-levy uh, in Parliament and to take a decision on it that day. Um, so we got that from our own sources. We're torn between, uh, you know, honouring the invitation uh, to be part of. I mean, no matter how you criticise it, it is uh, work that has been done uh, in the area. And, uh, and it no will matter, benefit your people. Yes, no matter the reservation you have about the cost of it and the, the, the utility of it. Because we can talk about the utility. I mean, really, what problem is it going to solve as it has been, it has been uh, constructed? No matter the misgivings, it is still work that is done for the people. So we would have loved to be part of, of, of that commissioning. But we're surprised when we got to Parliament the next day because of the... 
uh, information we had about uh, the intention of government to introduce the bill, uh, to see the road minister himself seated in his seat. When the he didn't, he didn't was, go to Tamale? No, when the president was there commissioning, but he expected us to go to Tamale. Amakwata, the minister no, for rules and everything, was not at the he commission. Wasn't, he wasn't there, but he signed the letters inviting us to Are you serious? In Tamale for the commission. Are you sure you oh, saw yes. him? Yes, he was there with us. His deputies? I, I didn't look out for them, but once the minister was there, and once they claimed they had 136, in fact, sometimes they claim it's 137, even though the evidence shows that there were 136 members, uh, at all time present in the house. Uh, it is assumed that the deputies were also there. So they were tricking you people to go for the I think that program was in plan. Tamale? I think that was the And plan. then they will pass e behind so your back. So they will have uh, the numbers they needed to pass the e behind our But back. you didn't go? But you we still didn't. ran away from the chamber anyway? No, we didn't run away. I mean, um, uh, when, you, when, you, when you confront a battle, or uh, in this case, uh, an opponent, there are many, you know, uh, strategies that you employ uh, at every given time, considering the strength uh, and the weaknesses of the uh, opponent that you, you you are faced with. So, um, we have we have used so many strategies in the past, and the walkout on that day was one of those strategies. I mean, we have used even the. The, the 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 seizure of the speaker's seats as a strategy before, you know, people had risen. To you had used punches that. before. <laughs> I didn't want to. You had slapped people's faces way. before. I didn't. No, that wasn't a strategy. But the strategy of preventing an illegality, the strategy that is used to prevent an illegality, can be varied. Someone I mean, has chewed ballot boxes, uh, ballot papers before. Uh, well, that was criminal. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the seizure of the seat of the speaker no, is equally criminal. No, well, it is just to, for, like the, the member said, it for safekeeping. Mm, the other one too was for protective custody. The ballot no, papers no, were being was, put that, in that, protective that, custody that was, in the that belly was, of. That was that was. I mean, how are you going to protect the ballots in the belly of uh, <laughs> after chewing it so that it will be brought? Are, are you are you, no, are, you are you a ruminant <laughs> that will <laughs> regurgitate and and you know to the the fourth stomach? Is that what we're taught in? school I mean, no you're, you're just helping to prevent <laughs> <laughs> a problem let's anyway. let's let's come back to the serious issue right so do you have challenges with uh, the interchange or the flyover or the whatever the project that has been done in tamale central for you is it will ease traffic for you you mentioned no, it you not. it will not ease traffic it will not i mean if you go and look at it clearly it's already a source of traffic how the 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 roads beneath the flyover mm -hmm. are so narrow that you cannot even have two vehicles. It used to be, you frequented Tamale a lot. That area used to be called Double Road mm -hmm. because it was the first double road that was constructed in Tamale during the Rawlings' era, mm -hmm. the Tesek construction and other estate. Yeah. So it used to be called Double Road. Today, it's a single lane beneath the flyover. And so you have problems with vehicles that are not on the flyover, but you want to use the under. The under. And, and the congestion is, is just terrible already, even before the city expands. And Tamale, remember, is one of the fastest growing cities. So the way to address the traffic situation in Tamale uh, in the past was to open up the ring roads. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Imude Lamashagu runabout, that is near the Nalax plantation, where the, uh, I think, Toyota uh, in San, uh, Toyota 
you know uh, has uh, a plan yes mm -hmm. you you will know that runabout so if you got to that runabout at Lamashego, there was a conscious effort to open the road leading to dabopa uh you know technical so you avoid the you avoid the, so heart you avoid of... the cbd mm -hmm. the central business district okay. so you go through dabopa go through vetting mm -hmm. and then go through uh, uh, Taha, then come out of uh, King David. And go and that connect. is a Kambli, And go and connect to the Bolga Road. And continue. Okay. So that was, that was, and then you had the, that was for the east. And then you had same for the, for the western west. side. Okay. So that was a way to decongest the, the city. So the previous government started these roads. They have been abandoned. And money that is now used for this flyover that is not solving the congestion in the city could have been used to finish this you know, ring roads, mm -hmm. and then more for the. But people you can of be Tamale. doing you can be doing the ring roads while also fixing the middle as well. So people can still fly over Tamale. That that shouldn't be a problem. It, it actually even adds to the beauty. You well, haven't thought of the tourism aspect of it. That is that is that is that is the shameful part of it. I mean, no. If someone a, wants, if so, okay, I was the, someone from Accra going to Tama, uh, Bolga to see a flyover. No, someone from Accra to Bolga. Yeah wants to see tamale but don't want to get stuck in traffic yeah that person will use a flyover over the cbd of tamale yeah you get to see tamale you see the central mosque and all yeah. of that and you still manage to go through without traffic that's the idea of well it's the fanties who say i wish i could speak fanti here this is where i am sad my fanti fails me <laughs> that you do what is you do what is necessary mm -hmm. before you do what is beautiful i, I wish i could help you uh -huh. so you do what is necessary uh -huh. before you do what is beautiful oh, i think it's the reverse okay good so my tree is if my tree is bad to four is responsible for that you know so so you look at what would have been more useful to the people? Look, when a road cuts through a community, it transforms the economy of that community. I mm -hmm. mean, even homes by the roadside gain value. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. businesses spring up Boom. all of a sudden, mm -hmm. and it, it expands the economy. So that is what should inform a decision to use over $200 million, you know, dollars in a road construction for a city such as Tamale. So you look at solving the, congest the congestion in the CBD by opening up the ring roads. That will improve the communities along the ring roads. And that will also create an economy along those roads. And maybe through that expansion of the economy, uh, productivity goes up, your GDP increases, and you can now think of doing a flyover that people can stand and take pictures but like you, you are no, suggesting. But you, but you, no, I'm not suggesting that people will go there and take pictures. I'm just <laughs> saying yeah, that I'm people can fly over Tamale and see Tamale even without... But you should be grateful a bit. You, you don't seem grateful at all. I think it's wastes. I think it's waste. It's, 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 it's good that it is done for the people of Tamale. But I'm looking at what we could have had. How better it could have been. And how useful, you know, it could have... It could have been. So They're, is it a one-tier interchange? Just one. Just It's just flyover. It's not an interchange. That's why it's difficult. It's just a flyover. In fact, you take it from, if you know, uh, any for anyone who knows Tamale very well, from the Dakpema Palace. Mm -hmm. eh? mm -hmm. From the Dakpema Palace. Yes. They take it there, and then they drop it off at the Agric Bank. That's it. That's it. So there's nothing in the middle. That, that's it. You can't branch that off. That is it. You it's, can't... Just, it's just a flyover from the Dakpema Palace 
to the Agri Development Bank. So this is like um, this is like Akwaje. No, it can't even be Akwaje. It's not Akwaje. up to Akwaje. I think um, how do you how do you um, this maybe, will be the interesting Kanda overhead. No, let's take it. It's like taking. Uh, no, I'm trying to look for a landmark in yes, Accra. Yes, taking a flyover from the uh, what is this place called? The SIC building after uh, the uh, after the fire service. Building. Okay. SIC. Okay. To, I'm taking. I'm. I'm looking at uh, uh, Dankwa Sek. Let me help you. So I'm taking got, it from I've got, SIC. No, I've, got a, I've got a better one. To NIB. I've got a better one. Kokumlemle to Adabraka, the interchange, the overhead, the okay. one that goes over. Okay. So that's the kind that's, of thing. That's the kind that's of the thing. Kind. Okay. Fantastic. I just wanted to be sure. That's All right. Kind of Let's thing. move to um, your issues with land. You are yes. concerned with some expenditure made. Well, so I was just concerned about the, the president's state of the nation address. And uh, like I talked about the uh, road construction that he has been fact-checked on uh, and is proving that uh, his figures were wrong. Uh, Thanks to uh, Kwame Agboja, the ranking member on roads, who mm. raised this issue. If you look at uh, the president's uh, sona to he made reference to how many trees were planted uh, last year when mm. um, we undertook the Green Ghana project as a nation. Uh, he talked about 7 million trees. Uh, meanwhile, we have records you know, in parliament showing that the minister uh, earlier, a month or so ago, uh, answered questions and suggested that about 4.8 million trees were planted. But the president in his sooner indicated that uh, 7 million trees were planted. I, mean, I, th I thought the minister said they targeted 5 million, but even got extra, 2 million extra. Yes, that was, the, they, 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 targeted, they, they targeted 7 million. Mm -hmm. But according to the minister, about 4.8 million, 8.4.89 million trees were planted. And out of that, about 80% of the trees are doing well. Okay. You know, so these were they, they procured about four point eight million seedlings, and they got some others. But they, they those that were planted were mm -hmm. four point eight nine. They got about seven million seedlings, but those that were planted were about four point eight nine. Okay. And out of the four point eight nine, you know, according to him, about eighty percent are doing. Well. I'm just looking at the graphic publication of twenty third yeah. June, twenty twenty one. Yeah. Seven million trees planted under Green Ghana Project. Yeah. That's the Forestry Commission. Yeah. So, 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 which one? This is a publication. I mean, I'm talking about the minister answer to questions on the floor in parliament. In parliament, about a month ago, you can check that that also, okay. where he indicated about 4.89 million trees, you know, were actually planted, mm -hmm. you know, and and that about 80 percent of those trees that were planted are doing well without any evidence uh, to to support that. Though, but the point may may seem it may seem it may seem you know, uh, excusable. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to plant 7 million, you plant 4 million, and the president says you plant that 7 million because you got 7 million seed, seedlings. You can, you can, you can excuse it. You okay. can, you can dismiss it. But the point is with, let the point me, let is me just with give this information. Funding. Let me just give the information that you can, okay. I'm looking at a story on citynewsroom.com. Yeah. We exceeded our target for Green Ghana Day yeah. tree planting exercise, Jinapo. Yeah. A story on June 22, 2021. And the minister was speaking in I'm parliament. I'm actually talking about 2022. I know. I'm just saying that he was speaking on the floor of parliament on Tuesday, June 2022. Yeah. And uh, he said, quote, reports received from the Forestry Commission indicates that over 7 million seedlings of various trees species were distributed across the country against the Green Ghana planting target of 5 million trees. Even though planting figures are still being collated across the 16 regions, provisional figures from the Forestry Commission clearly show that we exceeded the 5 million target. This is remarkable and historic. You are saying that this figure has no. since changed. It has since changed to about 4.89 million. 
actually from planted. the minister himself yes actually planted okay. 4.89 when did the minister come to say this to you i i i was just trying to pull that was about a month ago okay. about a month ago before the president came with the state of the nation address okay but sandra i'm saying that mm -hmm. i am not too concerned about even the figures how many were planted because the argument is that they got seven million seedlings but only about 4.89 were actually planted mm -hmm. i am saying that we need to know how these seedlings were procured i mean it is not just about the the the, the number pro, uh, you know provided and distributed and planted it's about the taxpayers money and how it is so the cost the cost of these 7 million is trees. parliament not aware officially of the figures well we we have we have demanded these these figures but sometimes you are told that they uh, engage in a fundraising and it was not really uh, wholly supported by government and all of that so the cost is 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 an issue uh, for me. Then the president also uh, reported on um, uh, Galamse, you know, and, 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 and suggested that um, we had a number of stakeholder dialogues. I mean, he didn't suggest, but he was reporting on the dialogues that we had. Uh, you remember the dialogue uh, at the uh, Accra International Conference Center? that brought together all stakeholders to look at, um, you know, the way to deal with Galamse. You remember the one that was also held in Ashanti region, where the Otunfo and others uh, participated mm -hmm. in. And then there was one also at the UDS uh, for the Northern Belt, where the vice president was the, you know, uh, guest of honor. Now, what the president didn't tell us, again, was the cost of these uh, dialogue series. Now, it's important because, remember, Sander, Buses were branded in this country. Those buses looked beautiful. But we were all scandalized when we heard about the cost of those, uh, you know, uh, branding. The minister resigned. The minister had to resign. Do you recall the figure that was involved? Two million, I think. About two million. It was about three million Ghana cities, 2.8 mm. million Ghana cities. Now, Sanda, can you imagine that the national dialogue on Galamse that was held at the Accra International Conference Center actually cost us 2.1 million Ghana cities. Just the Accra one? Or just all the, the three Accra one. Just the Accra one. Two point. To sit and discuss on how to deal with Galamse, we paid 2.140 Ghana cities. 2,140,000 Ghana cities for just the Accra dialogue alone. Then you had the original dialogue on the, the Northern Belt and the Middle Belt costing us 3.7 million Ghana cities. Each or collectively? The two. Okay. Put together, 3.7. So a total of over 5 million. So you are talking about a total of over 5 million, 800, you know, thousand Ghana cities on dialogue series to discuss how to deal with Galamse. Where do you get these figures from? These are from the ministry. The Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources. Did they say what they spend the money on? No. When we demanded the breakdown, they could not provide us any. When did this come to your attention? During the budget uh, estimates uh, of, of, of November. What are you going to do about this? Why are you talking about it? I am saying that those are some of the reasons why, as a minority, we have been demanding you know, some level of transparency in government expenditure. You recall, only recently, we moved a motion for uh, us to have a bipartisan look into uh, COVID-related uh, uh, expenditure, expenditure, which mm. they shut down. We are not doing it just for the politics of it or for the partisanship 
purpose that it may serve. But it is for all of us to assure ourselves that the economic challenges that we have faced today were not brought upon us, you know, uh, by through through our own reckless, you know, uh, expenses, through our own mismanagement, through our own misapplication of funds that were available to us. Sandra, it will blow your mind to find out that regional tours, engagements, and interactions with houses of chiefs and regional security councils on the way forward, as far as Galamse is concerned, cost us 5.4 million Ghana cities. And is this separate from the... That's separate from the earlier 5.8 million. So you're talking about 10 million, over 10 million Ghana cities spent on these dialogues and these engagements on the way forward, as far as how to deal with Galamse, you know, is concerned. I mean, if does, this doesn't raise the hair on your body, then you, 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 you are not sensitive to why government today has to slap us with an e-levy that is not popular with all of us. So these are some of the issues that you know uh, we have been raising and 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 demanding equal attention for as far as the need for us to get our government to be accountable for is concerned as an mp have you tried to get the minister to come and explain to the house why this happened i'm saying that we had this at the committee when we were looking yeah but you know have a way of doing follow up interrogation maybe at public accounts or you maybe... have limitations so exactly so now what they simply will tell you is that during public accounts uh, the auditor general will submit reports and all of that and they will come and explain and they will come and explain so beyond that, that there's be, nothing you can do. That will do. be after the facts. The money has been spent. It's been spent already. Wow, okay. Well, I am shocked <laughs> by the figures, but you have said this is from the from Minister official, of Lands and Natural Resources. Okay, yes. and you're a member of parliament. Yes. Um, in, in, in I can the, share with you. And in you in defamation, authority is a defense. <laughs> so I, I appeal to you as an authority. I, I, I defer to you. But thank you so much for speaking to us. Mm -hmm. On this where we have to end. We couldn't make time to talk about Tamale North. Yeah, Next time around, That's we'll fine. Do. That's fine. It's just that I thought we would have also, but we don't have time. So yes. we'll just leave it here. The, the, the three MPs that have been uh, referred the to. Ones, uh, the ones you are, you are against to. being removed. That's, that's, where the, that's why I thought that we'll have an opportunity. And the, MDC, the, MDC, the, MDC, the, the minority chief whip is not against the you referral. Said, you, see, you say you Sander, want numbers. Sander, there, were, mm -hmm. there, were, there, were, there were three or two disagreements on the, on the day yesterday. Mm -hmm. The first one had to do with the procedure that should be used in addressing the issue or in raising the issue. Mm -hmm. The procedure, according to our standing orders, is that a petition it must come by way of petition it and should be petition, internal not external and, and the petition must come from a member of parliament it can either be through from a citizen mm. through a member of parliament or the member of parliament himself initiating the petition mm -hmm. which the speaker will now direct to be taken to the table so that you know a debate will be conducted around it and the consequential directives given by the speaker now the speaker was the one you know taking up this matter and you are saying that that's not and then the minority chief whip was of the view that that is a wrong procedure okay. but the minority chief whip is not necessarily against the referral of okay. the tray to the privileges we need committee, to go but the procedure was what you know created the disagreement no. and that that is how our parliament should be now that the house is on recess it yeah. means that he, he the, muntaka has actually brought in a motion on recession yeah 
that will not be taken. So for now, Privileges Committee will go ahead and work with what the Speaker has said until you return. If that motion is accepted, then yeah. you can debate that. I think, I think that is what is going to happen. Let's leave it for you. We'll be back. Thank you so much Thank for you. speaking Thank to us. So uh, that's former broadcaster, 10 politician, Alhassan <laughs> uh, Suhini, member of parliament, Tamale North. Um, how is Radio Go doing? It's, it's, it's doing very, very well. I mean, uh, I, I can't seem to get my dial off it and, uh, unless when you are on. Ah, okay. I thought you were going to say that you want to go back and do the morning show there. So I would love to. I would love to. But we'll uh, remove I don't you know if speaker will give me permission. We'll to. remove you. Thank you. <laughs> That's Tamale North, Member of Parliament. My name is Umaru Sandama. The production by Sixtus Don Olo, Zoe Abubedu and Beverly London. Technical support from Daniel Squashy. We return tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Up next, we bring you a playback of Face to Face. It's an interview I did uh, last night on Face to Face with the CEO of Masloka, Jiabibata, Shani um, Zakaria. You don't want to miss that. Thank you. Good night. <laughs>